All right. See if I can figure out how to use this from this end. Oh, how's that? Better? Good? All right. Well, I'm so excited to be here today. Uh, I'm so thankful and grateful for all of you. Uh, you have all have been such an amazing benefit to my life and to my walk with God. And I can never um, thank you all enough. Um, and just to praise God enough for everything that he's doing through you and through this church family. It's been amazing to see and amazing to be a part of. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. Uh, I won't um, share too much about that. I just didn't want to miss the opportunity to take that chance to, to say how you know, thankful I am and, and just how humbled I am to have the opportunity to open up uh, God's word to you this morning. I'm also really thankful that the main... Uh, theme of our passage today is about encouragement. So I get to give encouraging words today, uh, which out of all the different themes in the Bible has to be one of the uh, better ones to, to talk about. And uh, so here's what we're, we're going to be going for today. I'll do a better job of touching that uh, correctly when I need to. But uh, So here's what we're going for today. It's like God's faithfulness is our strong encouragement. Like God's faithfulness is our strong encouragement. And God does not desire that any one of us would leave this building today without having our faith strengthened and our hearts encouraged by his deep love for us and his steadfast faithfulness for all of us. So let's, uh, let's pray that the Spirit would do that work for our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity, another week another time to come together and gather and worship you and open up your word and, and, uh, and receive that from you, Father. Uh, so I pray, Spirit, that you would work on our hearts today. Help us to hear these words and, and take them and, and put our hope in them. Uh, Father, secure our hearts today, we pray. Amen. So giving encouragement is one of the greatest gifts we have, and we cherish words of encouragement they can make a bad week or even a bad month seem to disappear. And we need that. We need that extra strength sometimes, that extra push to help us keep going. And we never realize we need it as much except when we're in those seasons of deep discouragement where all the circumstances and everything in life that is just overwhelming and out of our control is just weighing us down. And we need encouragement then. I know in the... Uh, the newest Star Wars movie, they took one of my favorite characters of all time, Luke Skywalker, who was the most encouraging and most optimistic, the most I'll take the galaxy on all by myself kind of guy. He was the guy that when he got confronted with Darth Vader, you know, the most evil villain in cinema history, he was like, yeah, I think I could, I think I could turn him to the light side. He's that kind of guy. So they took him and they just threw all that away. And then in the newest movie, they made him the most discouraged and the most reclusive and the most like extreme pole fisherman, weird scene person ever. And it was tough to watch. And I'm still kind of recovering from that and slowly, pick, <laughs> slowly picking up the pieces of my life, so your prayers are appreciated uh, for that. But no, it was a tough pill to swallow, and the whole time you're watching, you're just saying, please, somebody help this guy out, give this guy a hug. <laughs> like, we need the old Luke back. Somebody help him. So I'm not sure where you are 
on that Luke scale today, this morning, if you're wanting to just disappear from the known galaxy and find a remote island somewhere where you can get away from all of the troubles and the hardships that are happening in your life. But if you're feeling discouraged today, I want you to know that God is speaking these words to you, and he is wanting to encourage you. And there is encouragement because God is faithful. God is faithful, and that is our strong, that is our super strong encouragement. And God doesn't want us just to take him at his word here, but he proves his faithfulness to us. He proves that he is faithful, and he does that through these two things here, through his promise and his oath. God demonstrates, he proves, he shows us that he is faithful through his promise and his oath. So first is the promise. And these are the first couple of verses that Sarah read to you this morning. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, when he made the promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. And then here's the, the uh, summary statement of that promise, that I will bless you and I will multiply you. So what, why is this promise from God so great? And of what benefit is this promise to us, this promise of, of blessing? Well, the simple, simple answer is that it's of great benefit because it's a promise from God. It's God's promise. And, you know, we take promises seriously. We make promises all the time. And promises are great. We can, uh, they're an assurance that we have that um, somebody has our back, that they're going to help us out, that a desired outcome or an action is going to uh, happen. Uh, I know when uh, Roy told me that uh, he was going to help me go car shopping because it was getting to that time when I was going to need a new car. Um, And eventually that did happen a few weeks ago. Uh, My car died on the way to work. It was horrible. But uh, it didn't matter that, you know, I didn't end up texting him until like late that afternoon, like, hey, I'm going car shopping or going to test drive a car. Do you think you could come help? It didn't matter. He told me he would, and he showed up after work that day to help me test drive that car and to grill the car salesman for me so I didn't have to and totally helped me out. It was awesome. He had my back. I kept that promise and it was great. And praise God, there's so many examples of, of you know, faithful promises that we have kept and, and that's awesome and we love that. But at the same time, we unfortunately know what it's like when a promise is broken and there's been times when we haven't been able to keep promises that we've made. Uh, whether it's small things like, you know, a spouse saying they're going to do the dishes but not end up doing that, or if a close friend is just flakes on plans or something like that. Um, those are tough, and they can, they can leave scars. The big ones can leave scars. They can break our hearts. But even still, we don't just give up on making promises altogether. You know, we still have a uh, respect for a firm handshake and words given in good faith. And so if we are still able to give respect to promises made between each other, even though we can so easily flake on our words, then how much more can we respect God's promises to us? And if we can put our faith in and believe in promises that we make, how much more can we put our faith in and believe in the promises of God? So when God gives this promise to Abraham, and then through faith in Jesus, he gives this promise. It's, it's, it's extended to us. This promise of blessing. We can believe it. 
And this is God's promise to us that we will be blessed. And he means an ultimate blessing. This is an eternal blessing. A blessing that is life with God in eternity forever. It's the blessing that we are accepted and that we're purified and glorified. That we are capable of unspeakable joy. That we are triumphant over all of the evil and wickedness in our lives, over all of our sins, even the most detestable and hidden deep down. It's a promise of blessing that we have victory over all of our guilt and shame and even over death itself because Jesus has already defeated the grave. That's the promise that God gives us here, this promise of blessing. And in and of itself, this blessing is so much more than any of us could have ever hoped for or dreamed of or let alone deserved, but God gives it to us. And the amazing thing, the amazing thing is that God didn't stop there. He didn't just give us this blessing but we, or this promise, but we read, for after God made the promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. God didn't just give us this amazing promise, but he made this oath by his own name that we could be convinced that this promise would come true. And here's why he did that. In verse 17, it's because God desired. God made that oath because he desired. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. It's because God desired. He was unwilling to leave it at just his word alone. He was unwilling to leave it at just his promise alone. And his promise, it should have been enough for us. What could have been better than a promise of God? What could be more sure than that? But he knows, he knows our weaknesses. He knows that we struggle to believe. He saw Luke on that island discouraged. But he is not, God is not the, the irritable boss who barks out orders right away and expects you to get it the first time. He's the God that bends down to our weaknesses to help us trust him in his time of need. So God knew. God knew that Abraham was going to struggle to believe this promise. And we're not going to talk about Abraham much today. He's going to show up uh, later on in other passages in Hebrews and in more detail. And we'll talk about his, uh, his promise more then. But the point is that just as God gave this promise to Abraham and made this oath to him to help him in his weakness. He gives it to us as well as the heirs of the promise. That's us, the heirs of the promise through faith in Christ. He gives us this promise and he guarantees it with an oath. And it's because he desired. The, the word desired is, is so great here because it shows us, this passage teaches us that God didn't do this because he was required to and he didn't do it out of any sort of obligation, but it was all because he loved us. He wanted us to be more convinced of his promise. And that's an important distinction to make, and I want us to make sure that we, we feel that. Because we do swear oaths, we do make oaths uh, in our lives all the time. And we have to do that, whether it's signing our name on a legal document or whatever it might be, because it's ourselves that are the problem. It's our words that can't stand on their own. We have to invoke some kind of higher power. Even if we 
do this instinctively at times. Uh, I remember uh, in junior high and in high school, uh, I loved playing football, um, and we were playing a pickup game uh, during recess, and I wanted to go out for a pass. I wanted to get a pass my way, but uh, so I, I don't have the best hands. I have garbage hands. <laughs> so you have, to have, you have to have soft hands to catch a football, they say. You have to have soft hands. Uh, so I, I just have like two bricks, two, two just uncoordinated cement stones for hands. But I still wanted to go out for a pass, so I you know, went to the quarterback to, to tell him. And he knows. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to throw it to you. You have garbage hands. You're going to drop it. I was like, no, 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 I'll, I promise. I'll catch it. I promise. He's like, no, no, you're going to drop it. I'm not throwing it to you. It's like, no, I promise. I swear I'll catch it. I swear. We do it instinctively. And even in more formal settings, like during uh, you know, government um, or presidential elections or during election seasons, any government officials, they'll make a ton of promises that they never keep, but they do make them. And we don't just, though, you know, we expect them to uphold those promises, to keep those promises, but we don't just accept them at face value. But there's a swearing-in ceremony that they go through, where usually, at least the norm is now, they put their hand on a Bible, they raise their hand, and they make an oath, they swear uh, that they're going to uphold the Constitution, that they're going to uphold the will of the governed. And they have to do that, and they have to invoke this higher power because it's not, uh, it's, it's their, themselves that are the problem. Their words just can't speak for themselves. They have to do something greater. Uh, I, did not, I didn't catch it, by the way. I dropped it. <laughs> so I have garbage hands. I, play, I played a lot more defense. Just running around and hit people was, was more up my alley on that. But when, when pinky promises aren't enough, we have to take it to the next level. When campaign promises aren't enough, there has to be a swearing-in ceremony. And we have to do this because we have to swear by something greater than ourselves, because it's ourselves that are the problem. So whether it's swearing by the Bible, swearing on your mother's grave, if it's cross my heart and hope to die, whatever it is, we have to do that because we're the ones, uh, we're the weakest link. But God is not us. And God's promises are not our promises. So when God, when God gives his word, that's the only time that we can 100% for sure say, consider it done. And so when God promises to bless us here, it's already done. It's already done. But out of his deep love and affection for us, he also gave us this oath so that we could be even more sure that this promise was going to come true. So that we could hold on to this promise so tightly, this promise of blessing so tightly, and know that no sooner is God going to fail to complete this promise than the universe itself would cease to exist because God promised on his own name. And so just as sure as we see the sun rise every morning and just as sure as we see the seasons change, and I'm really hoping that the season is changing soon, but just as sure as we see the seasons change, we know that God is keeping this promise to us, that he is keeping this promise to bless us. And so God has proven his faithfulness to us. He's proven his faithfulness to us. He not only gave us this amazing, incredible, undeserved promise, but he swore that 
by his own name, that that promise would come true. So that by these two things together, he shows us that his faithfulness is sure. That he has perfect fidelity to us, undeserved, overwhelming grace. So God proves his faithfulness to us. And he does all of this for our encouragement. He proves his faithfulness to us for our encouragement. We see the next verse here, and I I bolded uh, some of the words so that we could see just the logical flow of this compound sentence. So it says, so that, so that we might have strong encouragement. So that we might have strong encouragement. The so that here, that is showing us the purpose statement, showing us the reason and the expected result, the goal that God had in mind for everything that has already come previously. So we can, we can rephrase that as a question. And we can say, you know, why did God do X and Y? So why did God give us this promise? And why did God give us this oath? Why did God prove his faithfulness to us? It was so that. So that we might have strong encouragement. It's crystal clear. Do you know... Uh, when you're asking somebody a question or you say something to somebody but you don't state it directly but you kind of are like beating around the bush trying to like, manipulation's a, too strong of a word, but you're trying just to get an intended result like going around not stating it directly but kind of implying it. So like when um, you tell to one of your kids, like, did you clean your room? And it sounds like a question but it's actually like a series of statements that you just made where it's like, I know you didn't clean your room. I've asked you to clean your room seven times. Are you really sure that that's the thing you want to be doing right now instead of cleaning your room? And then your kid at that point, he's trying to do some kind of like fourth dimensional calculus, trying to figure out how he can still tell the truth but also not get in trouble. And five minutes later, you guys are both confused. The messages were unclear. You are not sure what's going on. The motivations are, are all over the place and you just have no idea what's happening. Well, that's not... That's not this passage. That's not what God is saying here. The motivations are perfectly clear. It was so that we might have strong encouragement. All right. Let's break this sentence down a little bit more then. It was so that by two unchangeable things, by two unchangeable things, that is, that's God's promise and God's oath that he made for us. Those two unchangeable things. And why are they unchangeable? It's because it's impossible for God to lie. So that promise that he made, it was already unchangeable. It was already perfect. It was already written in stone. And it was enough for us to rest all of our hope and all of our faith on already. But God cared so deeply for all of us and loved us so much that he didn't give us just one unchangeable, perfect, incredible thing to rest our hope on. But he gave us another. He swore an oath by his own name so that we might be encouraged. So that by these two unchangeable things, God's promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for, us, for God to lie, we, and I love this name that he gives for us, is that we who have fled for refuge. I love that. That's, 
you know, there's so many other things that he could have written there. Uh, he could have you know, called us we who believe or uh, we who confess Christ as Lord or uh, he could have called us beloved. Uh, so many different things that we've seen in other letters in our Bible. But he calls us this, we who have fled for refuge. And that's just, that's the universal Christian experience. So we are constantly fleeing from sin, constantly fleeing from temptation and, and the struggles in our world, the wickedness and the evil in our world. We're fleeing from all of it into the loving arms, that refuge of the loving arms of God. That's who we are. It's we who have fled for refuge. So that by these two things, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. A strong encouragement. It's not just any kind of encouragement, but it's strong. It's mighty. It's forceful. Uh, This word can even mean boisterous in some contexts. So it's a loud encouragement. It's strong. This is not just warm and fuzzies that you might feel when you sing your favorite praise song later this morning, which are good feelings to have, and, and that's part of it. But that's not all there is to it. This is a, a firm foundation, an encouragement that you can build your life around, that you can feel secure in. It's not just some uh, kind words that you say to a friendly face you see at Whole Foods, and like a, hey, how you doing? Hope you're doing well. It's not that. It's so much more than that. It is a strong encouragement. And it's a strong encouragement for us to hold fast to the hope set before us. It's a boost for our faith. It helps us to believe. It's, enc- it's an encouragement for us to hold fast to that hope that we have in the gospel, the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope that we have in God's grace to us. It helps us to hold on to the gospel, even through those dark nights of the soul. God's faithfulness through his promise, through his oath, that through the promise and the oath that he demonstrates his faithfulness to us. That faithfulness is our strong encouragement. And I love the way that the author of this letter concludes this section here. And I love this analogy. It's that we have this. So we have this promise, we have this oath, and we have this encouragement, this hope, all of this wrapped up together. We have it as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. This is the anchor of our souls. This is the most secure foundation and is based on God's faithfulness and not our own. Praise God. It's based on God's character, not our own character, not our own flippant and fleeting emotions. It's all based on God. Uh, the great reformer Martin Luther, he understood this point. He put all of his hope and his encouragement uh, in God alone, and he fought hard to uh, defend that truth. And he uh, says it this way, that the Christian's chief and only comfort in every adversity lies in knowing that God does not lie, but brings all things to pass immutably. And the word immutably is he there. It means uh, unable to be changed. 
And that is the base, that is the firm foundation, that is the sure and steadfast anchor of our souls. That is our hope that we have as Christians, that it is all on God and not any of it is on us. None of it's on us. We, we constantly are casting out different anchors in our lives. We're always looking for different places where we can find security and find just a sense of peace. So whether that be an anchor to secure you that, um, that dream job or a faithful spouse or a good home and a, school, a good school district, um, affordable car loan or whatever it might be, we're always looking for that. But the anchor in our passage today is not the anchor that secures us the job with a great salary and the benefits. And it's not the anchor that secures us the house and the right zip code. It's not the anchor that is going to secure Tom Brady's sixth Super Bowl ring. We are not preaching a prosperity gospel to you today. This is not the anchor that's guaranteeing your best life now. No, this anchor is so much better than all of that. It's so much better. It is the sure and steadfast anchor of our souls, an anchor that Jesus has placed himself with his own pierced hands. And it has an unbreakable cord that not even the strongest hurricane winds could ever tear. And Jesus has placed it in heaven himself where he has gone before and where he has given us the assurance of better things to come. So a simple application for us today is where is your hope? From where are you seeking encouragement? The best and most secure hope that you can find today is found here. And it's found in God's loving arms who out of no uh, obligation or requirement but only out of his intense love for all of you helps us and accommodates us in our weaknesses that, what, that we might have the faith to believe and to hold on to this promise. We don't have to cast our own anchors. Jesus has already gone before. He's already set that anchor for us. And Jesus isn't going anywhere. So will you rest on that promise with me today? The promise that we have faith because he is faithful. That we are secure because he has secured us. And that we have encouragement because God's faithfulness is our encouragement. Let's believe that together today. Let's pray. God, you are so much more than any of us could have ever hoped or dreamed of. God, you, your love for us is so much deeper than we can fathom. That you would give us these two unchangeable things. That we could be so certain, so for sure that you love us so much. And Spirit, it is so hard for us to hold on to that truth and to believe that some days. So I pray that as we struggle with that, that you would give us just an extra measure of grace 
that you would continue to prove to us your faithfulness and help us to rest and hold on to that anchor of our souls. Father, I pray that you would help us in our times of need. Uh, Don't give up on us, God. Continue to work through us and in us and help us to rest sure in your faithfulness. We pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen.